<laughs> that is one big pile of shit. Uh, this could be it. We may be in some multiverse where I don't even exist. Don't knock rationalization. Where would we be without it? Yes, yes. Yes, without the use. To take them, take them out, take them down. Do your, do your stuff. Life uh, finds a way. Hello and welcome to episode 50 of The Complete Works, a deep dive into the career and films of actor Jeff Goldblum. My name is Mike Smith and joining me on this journey into the wondrous world of Goldblum is my friend, co-host and fellow Goldblumaniac. Mike Secretia. How are you doing today, Mike? I'm doing great. We made it, Ma, to the, to the 50th episode. So <laughs> we're, we're here. I was almost at halfway point, but I think he has more than 100 movies. Um, I think it's less, actually. I think uh, is it? once you get to the back half, it's a little bit less than the front half like i think it slows down slightly he's doing more tv work and stuff like that so uh yeah we may have uh, i think we're a little more than halfway through the goldblum filmography right now wow that's crazy that feels wild it does feel pretty wild uh we finally made it to episode 50 of this podcast which means it's also the last episode before a brief hiatus yeah we figured just as uh things start ramping up Let's change channels. <laughs> <laughs> we finally got like a momentum going, it feels like. And now it's like, nope, OK, we got to <laughs> go do something else. Uh, yeah, we've mentioned this a few times in the past. But uh, just to reiterate, uh, after this week, we're taking a break from Goldblum for about two to three months uh, to go back and cover Nicolas Cage, who was the original subject of this podcast. He was season one of The Complete Works, uh, which is not on this Spotify feed, but you can find those podcast episodes out there on the internet somewhere they exist <laughs> it's yeah. just uh it's it's a little disorganized but you can find them uh yeah we'll be talking about his new releases from 2019 up until as much of the present day as we're able to like as much as we're able to cover uh based on availability of certain movies and stuff we will do that and then two three months from now be getting right back into the Goldblum stuff to kick off the 21st century. We promise. Yes. Yeah. It should be up till at least the uh, swear words Netflix show. Uh, depends. Depending on what else from 2021. Right. Cage has available by then. <laughs> yes. I think uh, Willie's Wonderland, I believe, is out on VOD right now, uh, which I've heard is pretty good. I do want to watch that. Uh, and then it's possible that uh, the unbearable weight of massive talent might be out at that point. I'm not really sure mm. what the release date is for that, whether the, it's going to be in theaters or it's VOD or however it's going to work. We'll find out. And then from there, I think when we return to Goldblum, we'll occasionally do like one off cage bonus episodes as they come through uh, for new cage movies uh, from that point forward. But this way we're able to just kind of do a big chunk of cage movies, catch up in the last two years of Nicolas Cage. But for now, we got one more Jeff Goldblum movie to talk about. Sort of <laughs> a movie <clears throat> that features Jeff Goldblum's face. Yes, a, a movie that Jeff Goldblum is certainly in. We cannot deny yes. that uh, we we were looking at this being episode 50 and we were noticing that the movie we're talking about today is sort of the last movie Goldblum appeared in this decade. So we thought it'd be a good cutoff point, a nice place to take a break in the filmography. And it looks like it did have a couple of screenings at festivals in 1998 before getting a very limited theatrical release in Los Angeles in 2000. So technically, it's one of the 
first movies of the next decade, but eh, whatever. It's a little bit of an overlap. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Uh, I think it serves its purpose well enough, or at least it seemed like it, because we had also heard that uh, Nicolas Cage was also in this. uh, And uh, that made it feel even more like a good transitional movie for us. We couldn't believe that we had missed that Nicolas Cage was in this movie when we're doing the first podcast. Uh, And so we're like, oh, man, welcome to Hollywood. Here we go. Whoops, I said the name of the movie. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Like we read online he was in this and then turns out he's not. The Internet lied. Yeah, it's everywhere that he is one of the bazillion cameos in this movie, uh, and he's not. Yes. And it's a weird thing to get wrong. <laughs> yeah, and there's even a couple people in the movie. There's a few names that are on Wikipedia and IMDb and stuff that I don't think are actually in the movie, but that do appear in the credits for the movie, like Julianne Moore. Like, she is in the mm. credits for the movie, but I don't think she appears in it at all, unless she's in like that very end montage where they all say welcome to Hollywood. Or maybe, because uh, they go to the Oscars red carpet, maybe right. in the background of one of those shots. That's what I figured. Uh, That's where I was searching for Nicolas Cage, but uh, could not find him at all. <laughs> At all in the wild. movie. Uh, Goldblum, however, is prominently featured, at least for the you know minute that he's on screen. Uh, less than a minute, like 10 seconds. Uh, yeah. Also, this movie, very difficult to find online. Which yes, is, no streaming. Yeah, which is why this episode has been delayed by a couple of days. We were sort of scrambling there for a while. It's not available on any streaming service. Doesn't even appear to be able to be pirated, which is wild. Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, whenever we're, not that we would. <laughs> well, <laughs> if we get desperate enough, we'll, uh, we'll maybe turn into that uh, avenue. We usually turn to Andrew over at Rapture Press, uh, who is a whiz at this kind of thing. I mean, he's really good at finding stuff. Uh, and he found us like Twisted Obsession, for example, right? Yes. And we couldn't find that anywhere else. I feel like he found one other movie for us for this podcast. Um, yeah, um, he did. And I can't remember what it was. I thought it might have been Special Delivery. Uh, no. The, yeah, I didn't think so. Uh, like, I, I thought about it and then I kind of turned it down. Uh, I feel like it was an early Goldblum movie, though. I feel like it was a pretty early one. It might have been. I was thinking uh, the one with Alicia Silverstone, Alicia Silverstone, but I don't think that's it either. You know what it was? I think it was Remember My Name is the. Yes. Yeah, that was it. OK, Remember My Name is the other movie he found for us, which uh, I think. After we did that episode, I think it was on Criterion Channel for a little while. So it did become available and aired mm-hmm. on like TCM and stuff. So it's uh, there's a little bit of a cult following surrounding that one, which is kind of cool. Uh, but yeah, even he could not find anything for this movie. He came up with nothing. Uh, and we were beginning to think we might not be able to talk about this one. And then we decided to pull one final Hail Mary and just straight up ask the director of the movie about where we might find it on Twitter. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, that director actually responded to us. Uh, Adam Rifkin responded to us right away, like within 10 minutes of you sending out that tweet uh, and yeah. told us our best bet was buying a used copy of the out of print DVD on eBay. So that's exactly what we did. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> we each bought one and now we may be the only people in the world to own DVDs of 1998's Welcome to Hollywood. Hollywood, the world capital of dreamers, schemers and stars. Now, finally, a movie does for Tinseltown what Spinal Tap did for rock and roll. <laughs> but what does it take to make it? Somebody just like Sandra Bullock. Who has a good butt. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good butt. I'm going to find somebody, somebody out there who wants to be a star, and I'm going to follow them, obscurity to stardom. You were my first choice, and I'm very excited about this. He's going to be a star. Isn't that right, Anton? Two thumbs up. Stop saying two thumbs up. It's coming off kind of stupid. I can see why he chose you. See him tomorrow morning. Let me get him in there about 10.45. His name is Nick Decker. They're supposed to say Nick Decker. They say Dick Necker. I'm a big fan. Hey! He's drowning! Not hate. Hey! 
Okay, that's great. That's plenty. After that day, I also became someone in fragments. Uh, someone with... No, no, no. You raped her. Humor is not the, not the right way to go. Um... Hey! He's drowning! I thought it was time to, 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 to cast Nick a new girlfriend. Angie, I got an idea. It's very exciting. I'm very excited about it. So the first thing we're going to do is get you guys out in the streets, out at the movie premieres, out at the parties, being seen. And now everybody's wanting to know who is this mystery man with Angie Everhart. You know I just got married, right? Nick, did you meet Carmen Electra? Yes, I just met her. And action! Oh, man. Yeah. This is a big break, huh? Yeah. Kelly, come here, come here. Pick off your robe. I just need you to say uh, Nick's line. You struggle for so long to become an actor. We're gonna have to let you go. You give it all of your heart and soul. Today is the end of the film. At a certain point, you realize that there's nothing you wouldn't do to succeed. Can you do your own stunts? Yeah. Can you do a, a big motorcycle jump? I've done similar things on a bicycle. Welcome to Hollywood. 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 A comedy about fame, fortune, and a guy who has no chance at either one. You want to become a big star like who? Like, yeah, like, you know, a Tom Cruise, I mean, or a Bill Paxton. Are you retarded? Available exclusively from Sunland Studios. I do know for a fact, though, that uh, the Poetic Critic bought a copy of the DVD also. That's true. Yeah. OK, so there are three people and possibly also Adam Rifkin. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. <laughs> so we've actually covered one other Adam Rifkin movie in the past. Uh, his directorial debut, actually, uh, which was Never on Tuesday, which featured a very quick one minute cameo from Nicolas Cage wearing a big prosthetic nose and doing a very funny voice. How you doing? Is anybody hurt? No, everybody's fine. Did I get somebody a lift? No, man, that's all right. Uh, got everything under control. <laughs> uh, but Rifkin's, Rifkin's most well-known work would be as a writer in the late 90s, specifically doing some works on live-action DreamWorks projects, which is weird because we were just talking about the whole history of DreamWorks in the last episode of this podcast. Yeah. Uh, but he wrote Mouse Hunt. He wrote Small Soldiers. Uh, he also directed Detroit Rock City, which is like rock and roll high school, but with Kiss and Place the Ramones. I didn't know he wrote that. Yeah, wrote and directed uh, Detroit Rock City, which is pretty cool. And Welcome to Hollywood was made sort of in the middle of all that. Uh, Rifkin directs and actually plays a major role in the movie as himself and it leans into his success with DreamWorks to sell the story. It's a mockumentary style movie in which Rifkin, the documentarian follows the career of an aspiring actor who wants to make it big in Hollywood. That actor is originally called Anton Markwell and then later renamed Nick Decker and he's played by Tony Marks who's also credited as co-writer and co-director of this movie. Uh, Marks is an actor who had done a couple of things an episode like Little House on the Prairie, Bit Part in Valley Girl, uh, that kind of thing. Uh, he's also dabbled in directing and writing himself. He and Rifkin had done a few things together in the past. He wrote a movie called Bikini Island, which Rifkin appeared in, and he was a second unit director on Detroit Rock City. So now you may be wondering, well, how does Jeff Goldblum fit into all of this? <laughs> That's <laughs> a very fair question to ask. Uh, definitely. The answer is barely. <laughs> um, <laughs> 
Much like The Player, which is another Hollywood satire featuring a ton of celebrities playing themselves, Goldblum is in this for about 10 seconds, and then he's pretty much gone, save for a very quick bit at the end. Uh, So throughout the movie, there are quick talking head interviews with celebrities at red carpet events, answering questions about what it means to be a star. And I'm not going to list off every single one of them. I'm sure we'll talk about a bunch of them as we're talking about the movie. Uh, But I will tell you which ones are Goldblum reunions. Uh, Throw those Mm. ones out there. Uh, First off, Kelly Preston, a three-peat reunion after a little surprises in Holy Man. So kind of cool to see that. Will Smith pops up in this after Independence Day. Ron Shelton, writer of The Great White Hype, uh, has a scene in this movie. I thought that was him. I was trying. I was like, I think this is the guy. I couldn't yeah. remember. There's a scene. There's a bit where you're in his office and you see posters of all his past movies, except for the Great White Hype. It's not in there, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought was funny. But uh, yeah, Glenn Close also in this movie, reuniting after The Big Chill. Uh, Lawrence Fishburne after Deep Cover. Tom Arnold after Nine Months. Erwin Winkler, who was a producer of The Right Stuff. Uh, and again, I didn't see her in the movie, but Julianne Moore is listed in the credits, uh, which, if she's in it, would be a three P reunion after Nine Months and The Lost World. Jurassic Park. Look at that. Yeah. So a lot of Goldblum reunions happening here. Uh, no Scott Glenn, unfortunately. Uh, <sighs> just <laughs> throwing that He's out too there. too cool now. I guess so. The, the player might have been the last time we see Scott Glenn in this podcast, and that's a damn shame. Uh, <laughs> finally, model Angie Everhart uh, plays a pretty substantial supporting role in this movie, actually, playing herself after she's hired to pretend to be Nick's girlfriend. Uh, and we've seen her once before in this podcast in Mad Dog Time. Uh, she was in that movie, too. Yes. I thought she was very familiar. I couldn't remember where also. <laughs> yeah, she's the one uh, who's like just kind of hanging out like in the underground you know desk dueling ring yeah, that they have that and what's like, his name makes out with yeah larry bishop the director of the movie like makes out with uh, at one point but uh yeah there you go she was in mad dog time now she's in this the movie was written by tony marks and sean ryan sean ryan creator of the shield the- <laughs> Same tone. Yeah, exactly. And also Terriers. Uh, he's a you know, big TV guy. Uh, but I mean, the shield, like one of the most iconic drama shows in the last 20 years. And also welcome to Hollywood. Uh, mm-hmm. I have no idea how he got involved in this movie, but he was there. Uh, and it was directed by Tony Marks and Adam Rifkin. Uh, Rifkin is still directing today. Most recently did The Last Movie Star in 2017, which is one of Burt Reynolds final films. Uh, mm. And it's sort of a semi autobiographical thing about Burt Reynolds playing an aging movie star. Uh, highly recommend the episode of Pure Cinema podcast that Adam Rifkin was a guest on when he was promoting that movie because there's some incredible Burt Reynolds stories in there. Uh, so that's that's a really entertaining listen. Nice. He's also been on uh, the movies that made me uh, at least once or twice. I can't remember. Uh, yeah. Which is the Joe Dante podcast. Uh, so definitely check those out. They're very fun. I think Adam Rifkin is one of those guys that just has like a wealth of pop culture knowledge and he's on a lot of podcasts. Yeah. <laughs> a, a wealth of pop culture knowledge and also a long history in Hollywood despite never being like a really huge name as a writer or director. Like made a couple yeah. of you know mainstream movies that were big hits mouse hunt and small soldiers and stuff but i think this movie really illustrates like he just kind of knew everybody like right <laughs> like he was able to get them all to be in this movie uh and like i said this movie played a few festivals but got an official release in at least one los angeles theater on october 27th 2000 and uh, if you weren't seeing it which seems likely you may have been seeing the other new releases that weekend like blair witch 2 book of shadows uh <laughs> wait oh for, in 2000 okay oh yeah yeah 2000 not <laughs> Not the uh, Adam Wingard version from 2016. That's a different. Well, no, no, I was thinking 1998, like with the festival releases. Uh, oh, right, right, right. Yeah, no, we're talking like, like the actual like 2000 release day here. 
Got it. Okay. Yes. Uh, the Little Vampire also out that weekend with uh, Jonathan Lipnicki. Uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> that's a, a movie that I definitely saw when I was a kid and have no memory of. Mm-hmm. Or Nora Ephron's Lucky Numbers starring John Travolta and Lisa Kudrow was also out that weekend. Also in the top 10 that week were Meet the Parents, which took the number one spot in its fourth week. Remember the Titans, Bedazzled, Pay It Forward, The Contender, The Legend of Drunken Master with Jackie Chan, and the Christopher Guest film Best in a Show, all making the top 10 that week. <laughs> What did, that's a pretty stacked top 10, I think. That, that's a pretty solid top. Any any top 10 with The Legend of Drunken Master in it is a good top 10, as far as I'm <laughs> concerned. <laughs> and the IMDb plot synopsis for Welcome to Hollywood reads, A young actor struggling to make it in Hollywood is noticed by a film director whose main focus is directly on him accomplishing his goal. Uh, so, Mike, this is our last Goldblum movie for a little while. We'll be back in a couple of months doing Goldblum. But as our final Goldblum movie going into our hiatus... What did you think of Welcome to Hollywood? What were your overall thoughts of the movie? And what did you expect going into it? Um, going into it, I wasn't really sure what to expect. You know, I, it's this kind of weird, forgotten mockumentary, end of the decade, end of the millennium kind of time capsule thing is sort of what I was expecting. And I think I think you do get a lot of that. I feel yeah. like you kind of you can feel that this is a 1998 like look inside Hollywood. Uh, and I don't quite know exactly what that means. Maybe it's Adam Rifkin's ponytail. Maybe it's just the way everything is still paper, uh, which maybe it still is. I don't know. But there's just a lot of <laughs> shit on everybody's desk because it's just everything's paper and pictures, yep. <laughs> which is, I don't know, it's a weird detail to notice. And overall, I think I think Welcome to Hollywood is like pretty fine. It's, you know, I, I don't know if I expected it to be awful, just the way that we c- literally couldn't find it other than buying a used DVD on eBay, which generally just indicates it's like a forgotten thing that doesn't necessarily mean quality, bad quality. Right. But so, yeah, I thought that's kind of what I was expecting. And it's pretty good. It's, you know, it's OK. It's fine. I think I think a lot of it is pretty funny for the most part, although it is all like secondhand embarrassment stuff uh like so if that humor doesn't if you don't enjoy that kind of humor right. you won't like this movie at all because that's the whole thing is just about adam rifkin and uh nick decker getting into awful awkward situations where things just go wrong and there's just nothing like uh, uh, you just have to stammer and run out of the room kind of situations um <laughs> but for the most part there's a couple of really funny bits um that i'm sure we'll get to that like got me got like some good chuckles some good laughs and it kind of it's only 87 minutes and I think it's good that it is that short because it starts to feel a little <laughs> a little once we, once can starts to be a thing. And it, like we kind of go we go there. It's like, OK, all right. We know we get it. We know what's going to happen as far as everyone's relationships and, you know, what's what has been happening to Nick Decker throughout the other the rest of the runtime. You know where this is going to go. But for the most part, pretty fun. I think I think everyone's you can tell it sort of has this uh, like improvised kind of situation, which I assume it is. Uh, you know, it has that yeah. feel to it because it's a documentary. So, yeah, it's it's fun to watch the, the everybody uh, just kind of bumble their way through this failed experiment. basically. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I uh, I thought it was solid. I agree. It's, I think it does drag a little bit, but it is pretty consistently funny throughout. Uh, and there's like elements of Hollywood satire here, but it tends to lean a lot more on this guy just has no chance of becoming a movie star and playing yeah. that for laughs and like him kind of being shameless, but also just like he is so, it's so clueless to the world around him and how bad he is at acting <laughs> and yeah. you know how you know every audition he goes on and like it just completely bombs it's the worst for him uh and it is pretty funny uh, in that respect <laughs> uh i think the framing device featuring all the celebrities at red carpets is really interesting um you know because a it makes this movie seem a lot more star-studded than it is 
Yeah. Uh, because otherwise, if you look at just the main cast of the movie, the biggest star is Angie Everhart, uh, you, know, yeah. she, you know, who's playing herself and is pretty funny in the movie. And then otherwise, it's Adam Rifkin and Tony Marks are like the other two like main characters. Uh, but then, you know, throughout the movie, you have John Travolta showing up and Matthew McConaughey and Will Smith and like all these huge A-list actors that kind of pop up for a bit. And I was like, for a long time in the movie, I was wondering to myself, like, are they aware that they're in a fictional movie or like, are they like, do they know that they're being interviewed for this and not, it wasn't just like a random red carpet dude asking them a question about what it means to be a movie star or something. Yeah. You know, I think it's Adam Rifkin's voice when uh, asking the questions. Yeah. Uh, Like, I think he's the one doing the interviewings on the red carpet or it sounds like it, but yeah, I wondered that too. Like if they knew it was going to be used in this or was he just, did they just assume it's another junket guy on the red carpet? Right, exactly. And I, and I think there's moments where it's clear that celebrity is in on it. Like with Lawrence Fishburne, he has like, he, you know, does a scene with Nick Decker in this one moment where they're interviewing Matthew McConaughey and he actually like mentions Nick Decker by name. And it's like, yeah, I've heard of Nick Decker. He's a bit of a hot dog. And (laughs) yeah, yeah. Which is a very Matthew McConaughey quote. Uh, So I, I think some of them knew that they were in on it, but I also think others might just have been like, you know, walking the red carpet and answering a question part. And then there's like the Oscars sequence, which they actually go to like an Oscars red carpet uh, and mm-hmm. are like passing out headshots of like, they get like, you know, as flyers or whatever. Uh, and it feels like almost like it's Borat before Borat kind of thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like they, they go to all the like talking head people, you know, the, the junket guys on the red carpet with Angie Everhart. And yeah, she has to say like, Oh, well this is my boyfriend, Nick Decker. <laughs> At, like to all of the interview people. And it's like, are they in on it? I don't like what's happening. Right. Like I want to go back and like find old footage from the Oscars that year, uh, which yeah. is probably like 97, 98 ish, something like that. Uh, pro- probably like 96, 97. If this movie was like premiered at festivals in 98 and stuff, right. uh, it, I, w- I want to go back and like find archive footage from the Oscars and see if I can find, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Angie Everhart, like with Nick Decker or something like that. I think that'd be fascinating. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Like imagine that's like on the like one of them is Joan Rivers. Joan, like, you know, just like on the primetime pre-show. And yeah. it's, it's that that interview. It'd be wild. It'd be wild. Uh, yeah. So I, I did enjoy Welcome to Hollywood. I think it's pretty solid. I think I feel like I might have been more generous to it because of the extra work we had to do in order to get the movie. <laughs> Yeah, I think so, too. (laughs) I think that might have been a a little bit of a factor, but uh, it definitely is pretty fun. And it's just a really I think a really fascinating movie just because it is a snapshot of that time period, you know? Yeah, and it feels very... I don't, I don't, like it kind of captures that like late 90s indie vibe, which I think, you know, is, is what this is sort of going for anyway. Like this kind of sure. down and dirty, almost found footage <laughs> situation. Right. Like, you know, that's right around the corner with Blair Rich, uh, yeah. Blair Rich Project. And and to, to preempt your question, uh, to juxtapose this against the player is such a fascinating uh, like comparison. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because I mean, the player, you know, has all these celebrity cameos uh, throughout the movie, but it uses those to like populate Hollywood, like no matter where you go there's always like a celebrity just in a restaurant or whatever Mm -hmm. uh and this one has a bunch of celebrity cameos but it's almost always just like at junkets and stuff like when they're at like you know red carpet events they're interviewing people uh and so that does make a little bit of a difference but the player is much more i think vicious in its satire of hollywood where this is much more like 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 we said just like it's a cringe comedy that happens to feature like some light hollywood satire throughout yeah and even then it's 
I guess satire is the correct word. Parody, maybe. <laughs> like, you know, it's not really about Hollywood, although it is pretty yeah, much. I mean, like, it's, it's in the title. Welcome to Hollywood. Yeah, true, true. <laughs> but yeah, I think I think the focus is more, like you said, about Nick Decker as like just this incompetent fool versus the players about like the studio executives and the Hollywood system, the studio system and all that stuff, which is funny. <laughs> like the Ewan McGregor answer for what it means to be a star. Uh, it talks, he talks about that. Uh, where he's like, well, well, you know, you, you got to be it was back in the 30s. You can't be a star anymore. Um, it's like, oh, OK, says the Hollywood star. Yeah, although he's kind of, I mean, it's weird because the, that seems like 20 years too early. But I think yeah. if if it were today, he'd be right. Like, that's a, that's one of those right. things where, like, uh, you know, if you're not like in a, a Marvel superhero movie or, or whatever, then you're not like it's very difficult to, for a star to, like, bring in new people. Like, there's very few movie stars that, like, draw in the audience anymore, I guess. You know, there's like Leonardo DiCaprio, maybe The Rock. And like, yeah. that's kind of it. Tom Cruise, maybe. Uh, but even that, like, you know, Tom Cruise would make like American made and it kind of didn't do well at the box office, that kind of thing. Like mm-hmm. it used to be like you could just have a movie star in your movie and like guaranteed box office hit, like no matter what. You yeah. know, if, if it was somebody that the audiences liked, they would go to see those movies. So, you know, that's why like Will Smith had that wild run in the 90s where it was like Bad Boys, Independence Day, Men in Black and Enemy of the State, just like nonstop hits with Will Smith. And like if Will Smith was in them, it was going to be huge. And you're still in that era in the 90s. But like today, you know, you see like Chris Hemsworth make other movies outside of Thor movies. And those movies always bomb. <laughs> right. <laughs> they always do poorly. He does like In the Heart of the Sea and Black Hat and all these things. And, you know, which were like five years ago. I can't think of any recent Chris Hemsworth movies that were in theaters. Because uh, I, I thought of Extraction, but that was on Netflix. That was a Netflix one. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so it's, you know, it's one of those things where, like outside of Thor, he can't draw on an audience. But once he's Thor, like people are more loyal to brands than they are to movie stars now, which used yeah. to be their own kind of brand. Yeah. Fascinating. Look at yeah. that. Yeah. All right. Anyway, that's a, a little bit off topic. Uh, what did you think of Jeff Goldblum and Welcome to Hollywood, Mike? Well, so when I texted you, I was as I was watching this movie, I was like, did you watch this yet? And you said yes. And I was like, please tell me that Goldblum is only in the first 20 seconds. And you're like, yes, except for that thing at the end, because <laughs> he's one of the first, you know, what does it mean to be a movie star? Answerees. Uh, yes. <laughs> one of the first person that gets asked that question. I think like during the opening credits of the movie, it's like cutting back and forth between people answering and then like more title cards. And I think he's in there. So he's fine. He gives I don't remember exactly what his answer is, but it's it's the charming late 90s Goldblum that we love and we're here for. And then he shows up for five seconds at the end to say welcome to Hollywood and that's that's cool so that yeah that's it <laughs> yeah absolutely I mean Goldblum is one of the first celebrities you see on screen uh, it goes John Travolta and Kelly Preston first Mm -hmm. Uh, And then Sandra Bullock and Joel Schumacher, which is a weird pair, uh, (laughs) which uh, I I was trying to think, was Sandra Bullock in a Joel Schumacher movie around that time? Because around that time, Joel Schumacher would have been making like Batman and Robin. uh, And Mm. she's definitely not in that. So I don't. Are they (laughs) dating in this? Because it definitely seems like they're a couple the way. But But Joel Schumacher is gay, though. Uh, oh yeah, true. Or was was gay because Joel Schumacher died recently. Uh, yeah. But uh, yeah, so I don't know. Maybe they're just hanging out. Maybe they're buds. I don't know. Yeah, but uh, but yeah. So it's John Travolta and Kelly Preston, and then Sandra Bullock and Joel Schumacher, and then Goldblum shows up, and they ask him what it means to be a star, and he says a star is bravely authentic and loving 
And then he laughs for like a couple of seconds. Yeah. <laughs> he does that Goldblum laugh, like, ha 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 ha, uh, which is actually in the trailer for this movie, Goldblum's laugh, uh, which is pretty <laughs> great. <laughs> Love it. So if you uh, are listening to this episode, you would have heard Goldblum's laugh. Uh, and then, yeah, Goldblum pops up again at the very end because uh, there's a montage after the story is over where all the celebrities that are interviewed, or almost all of them, uh, look to the camera and say, Welcome to Hollywood, which is the title of the movie. Uh, yeah. so maybe and, they did know I mean yeah I guess at that point maybe they did or maybe they just say like hey can you say welcome to Hollywood to the camera and like I don't know there's yeah uh, I would say they're probably they probably are aware of it I mean they're all thanked in the credits you know they're right, all, that's there's true. all like, special thanks for them and stuff like that uh, but even so there's like some of them where it's just like it seems weird that like they could they kind of probably could have easily just said like hey what's what's it mean to be a star and just taken the answer and be like all right here we go but yeah I think Goldblum is good in the 10 seconds that he's in it it, it feels less like a performance and more just like an off-the-cuff thing that uh, Adam Rifkin had him do while he was walking inside to whatever award show he was going to. Yeah, exactly. And that's what all of the, those talking head interview things feel like. Um, of all of those, Goldblum's feels bravely authentic and loving. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Now, how do you think this role fits in the roles that we've seen Jeff Goldblum play so far, Mike? Uh, well, you know, there's the player. <laughs> yep, we've mentioned that one, which as far as I can tell, Goldblum is the only one out of all the celebrities in both movies to be in both of them. Oh, so that's wow. something. Yeah, because that I mean, is that's, something that's kind of surprising because the player has like 65 celebrities making cameos kind of popping up and out. And then Welcome to Hollywood has probably like something like 30. Uh, yeah. like there's a lot. So it's it's surprising that Goldblum would be the only one that is. And I wonder if that's Goldblum just traversing or bridging the gap between like generations there. You know, like he is. You know, although I guess it's only 10 years. When did the player the player was early 90s, right? Player was 92. Yeah. So 92? it's like, I mean, it's like six years later that this movie. Yeah. Comes so out. never mind. I was thinking 70s because Altman. Um, right. Well, I do. I do think that, you know, because Altman was like a, a big 70s guy. A lot of the people in the player are older stars. Right. Uh, and this one has a couple of older people like John Travolta's in here, who is yeah. you know a star in the 70s and stuff like that. And I think Dennis Hopper pops up for like a second. I think he's in the Welcome to Hollywood thing at the end might be i think so yeah Uh, but i yeah i think uh it's mostly like the stars of the moment i guess it's like people like salma hayek popping up in this movie yeah which makes sense it's who would be on the red carpet in 1997 or 6 or whenever they were filming this yeah and then yeah i guess as far as other goldblum performances appearances it'd be the early stuff you know uh california split where he's in it for one line of dialogue uh you know saint ives and and special delivery and death wish where he's freak number one you know those kind of things where he's barely in them and 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 just in general all this movie felt very made me think of altman's movies the altman suite for goldblum just because it is (laughs) the nature of it being a documentary a lot of it is conversations being yelled over crowded rooms sure. uh, and, and like all that kind of competing noise and dialogue stuff. So, yeah, that's the and even these are stretches <laughs> of connections. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the only other one I can think of really besides the player, and this has nothing to do with Goldblum necessarily, uh, but the other Goldblum movies I would compare this to are Next Up Greenwich Village and The Tall Guy, both of mm. which are movies about actors kind of looking for their next big break. Yes. Uh, and that's what this entire movie is about. So, uh, yeah, throw that one out there. But all right, so that's Pretty much all the Goldblum talk you're going to get this episode. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in retrospect, it doesn't feel like the best one to like break on before I. Yeah. Uh, but it's know. a good timing wise. Episode 50 is the last movie of the 90s. Exactly. Yeah. It, it feels right, even though Goldblum is only in roughly 10 seconds of this movie. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he probably gets like one less line here than he does in The Prince of Egypt is, is my yeah. guess. <laughs> True. That's a good point. Uh, but all right, let's let's run the movie down. See my scene. Start talking. Welcome to Hollywood. Really break it down. First of all, before we even get to the movie, Mike, 
I do want to break down the trailers on the DVD, uh, which I don't know if you watched them. Mine didn't have any. Yours didn't have. Okay, really interesting. Mine had three trailers, all from the same uh, production company that uh, did this movie. Mm -hmm. Uh, They all had the same voiceover guy. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yes. And Remember they when all, trailers had voiceover? I miss those. Days. I really miss the trailer voiceover. There was like one trailer kind of recently that used like a voiceover guy, and I forget which trailer it was, but it was great. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I was just so happy that it used a voiceover guy. But yeah, all three of these trailers that are included on my DVD and apparently not yours, which is weird, uh, have the same voiceover guy and they all looked insane. There's a movie called Harvest, which is like a a drug growing movie with James Vanderbeek and John Slattery. Uh, wow. Which is what this is like years before Mad Men. So it's a very young John Slattery. <laughs> and 98. Uh, oh, never mind. Go ahead. Never mind. Yeah. Uh, I mean, like late 90s era. Uh, what were yeah. you going to say? Like? I confused James Vanderbeek for somebody else. Okay. okay. Yeah. James Vanderbeek from Dawson's Creek. Yeah. Uh, the Chaos Factor with uh, an it was which is an action movie with a hero named Captain Jack Point. Uh, <laughs> and then finally, another trailer for a movie that I need to see right now, uh, which is called Terminal Countdown. And it's a Y2K movie. <laughs> yes. Uh, starring Malcolm McDowell and Sarah Chalk from Scrubs. The, the trailer for this movie is seeing like these people like you know, seeing these like nukes start to go live and like are about mm-hmm. to be launched. And they're like, oh, man, does anybody have the codes for this? It's like only one man had the code and he's unavailable. And then it shows a picture of Richard Nixon uh, no. because he died. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> uh, and it looked wild. So Terminal Countdown is the name of the movie, at least in the trailer. I looked it up and I think it's also called Y2K. Uh, uh-huh. And so I'm going to do my best to find this movie at some point. <laughs> I can't believe there are real movies and those aren't fake trailers like in Traffic Thunder. Yeah, it, they looked like fake trailers and I need to watch all of them. They, but especially Terminal Countdown. Malcolm McDowell was it. Amazing. Uh, I did. Uh, I did. Know, I did think it was very strange though when I popped the DVD in and it kind of just like, you know, I got that blue whatever like warning screen. You know, I think yeah. it's like the FBI thing or whatever. And then it just like hard cut to the DVD menu. And I was like, is this a burned disc? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, what? Uh, OK. Interesting. Yeah, my, mine did not uh, do that. Mine didn't even cut to the DVD menu. Mine played the three trailers and then the movie just started. Oh, no, I had I had a menu. I had special features I could have picked or maybe it was scene selection, I think, probably. I mean, yeah, uh, I, this seems like a pretty bare bones release. Uh, at least yeah. mine was. Maybe yours isn't. Who knows? I mean, it sounds like we got two differently produced DVDs. From <laughs> yeah. <the> Hollywood. <laughs> eBay, baby. There we go. All right. Uh, I was like, so I guess I think we got it from two different places, but I like to imagine a week ago, one warehouse in like the middle of nowhere, like in the middle of the country, just like lit up and there was like two different people want to order welcome to Hollywood at the same time. This can't be right. <laughs> Has anyone ever ordered this before? <laughs> but yeah, so that's uh, the trailers that were on my DVD. They looked wild. And then the movie starts and Adam Rifkin comes out on camera, which I was not expecting. I didn't realize Adam Rifkin was going to be in the movie, yeah. um, you know, actually presenting it as a documentarian. But he does. And he introduces it and describes his desire to film someone achieving fame that ends with them winning an Oscar. That's like the idea behind the movie. You take a complete unknown, like watch his rise to stardom and end with him becoming the biggest star in the world. Yeah. And I was I thought at that point that that's what the movie was going to be. I don't know why, but I trusted Adam Rifkin. <laughs> <laughs> well, that is. The, the desire at, at first and then you know things start to unravel as it goes on uh and then you get a couple of uh, celebrity interviews you get travolta and preston you get uh schumacher and sandra bullock which uh, there's a pretty funny 
bit between the two of them where he's asking, what do you look for in a star? And he's like, well, I look for talent and grace and, you know, Sandra Bullock keeps injecting and a good butt, uh, which is pretty funny. Uh, and then you have the Goldblum interview. Yeah, you get you get him for 10 seconds or five seconds or whatever, saying saying his uh, bravely authentic and his cute chuckle. And that's it. Yep, exactly. <laughs> uh, and then Adam Rifkin goes on Access Hollywood to announce his new project, which is a documentary that will follow one actor on their journey to fame. And he starts working with uh, Steven Spielberg's casting director to find the perfect guy who I believe is his actual casting director. Like it's not somebody playing Spielberg's casting director. It's the actual person, mm-hmm. uh, which is pretty cool. Uh, and, you know, they go through a whole audition process. A lot of guys audition for the role and they end up choosing this guy named David Lake, who <laughs> is this, uh, you know, young actor. He's got the goods. He's going to make it in Hollywood. They go have a meeting with him. Adam Rifkin has a meeting with him and he's like, oh, man, I, I just booked a movie and I'm leaving in a couple of weeks. I can't do the movie. I can't do it. Uh, I- I'm sorry, man. I can't. And so instead of David Lake, they go with Anton Markwell and they cut to them meeting with him. And they're like, you're my first choice to be in this movie. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think David Lake says like, oh, it's a closed set. Like I had to sign a non-disclosure thing. Like I'm not going to be allowed to bring a film crew. Like, and that's part of why he can't do it, uh, which is pretty funny. Yeah. His first first choice, he means. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Other guy. Uh, yeah. Anton Markwell, who, you know, when when they meet him, they're like, yeah, he's I mean, he's a little bit older than the typical like actor who's trying to make it in Hollywood. Not really sure. He has like his headshot isn't on like photo paper it's on it's like a really crappy like thing that he just handed to them mm-hmm. uh and stuff he seems very unprepared but they end up having to go with him all the executives are telling adam rifkin this is a bad idea they're encouraging him to do jumanji 2 instead which is <laughs> i feel like a very funny joke in 1998 but in retrospect yeah uh, now, now we have a jumanji 2 <laughs> we have a jumanji 3 we have a jumanji 3 that no one has seen uh i assume <laughs> I just assume no one has seen Jumanji three because I haven't. But like, I remember Jumanji two was like a movie that I actually ended up seeing like a couple months after it came out, but like it was huge. Jumanji two was like such a huge, massive hit, like a surprise box office hits. And then Jumanji three kind of came and went without much fanfare. I'm sure it made money, but I don't think it was like the big hit Jumanji two. was. (laughs) No, I've seen it though. It's it's fine. It's all right. You've seen seen Jumanji three. I have. Yeah. I think it was one of those things like maybe early in quarantine where my mom was just like, I don't know, let's just rent it. Um, or, or whatever it was on some streaming thing so we just like spent an afternoon and watched it uh, did you ever watch jumanji 2 yes yeah jumanji 2 is great i really like that one okay i thought it was fine it's okay it's okay I mean, yeah you know it's okay yeah I, I saw it in theaters and i saw it uh with like on a second date with the girls so there was a little bit of like an added you know mm. a weirdness to it i guess but yeah. i don't know i remember thinking like jumanji 1 was just like well of course yeah i mean you, i mean and even then jumanji 1 like a movie that i don't think holds up all that well but it still like has a nostalgic place in my heart and stuff but also that movie gets really dark which i appreciate mm-hmm. uh, and i remember jumanji 2 actually taking us inside jumanji uh jumanji itself didn't seem all that intense and dangerous uh <laughs> compared no. to compared to what it seems like in the first movie just by hearing like robin williams talk about it in hushed whispers yeah you know? yeah that's a good point i didn't really consider that but jack black is good i like jack black he's yeah fun. he's pretty yeah he's pretty funny you got the rock you got kevin hart you know all, all that stuff it's a good it's a fun it's a fine enough time uh, <laughs> anyway jumanji 2 is a funny joke and welcome to hollywood <laughs> exactly yeah they use jumanji 2 really quick and then uh yeah adam's like no i'm not gonna do jumanji 2 i'm committed to doing this movie welcome to hollywood uh then you a couple more interviews get will smith who is like uh they ask him mm-hmm. what does it mean to be a movie star and will smith just like puts his sunglasses on it's like well you know you got to have a certain amount of style which is 
a very like fun Will Smith esque. Like it's it's a very Will Smith thing to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's a good, it's a really good moment. I like that one. Yeah, and then you got the Ewan McGregor and Cameron Diaz, uh, and they do the same thing, which they talk about what you were saying, like the studio system in the thirties and forties and all that stuff. Uh, and this is at the Emmys. Actually, they take Anton to the Emmys, and they're like kind of just kind of bringing him around, like having him meet reporters and stuff, just kind of getting his face out there and making sure he's a known person. And he's just very awkward around everybody. He keeps doing these. Uh, like people keep asking him how he's doing and he's like, Oh, two thumbs up. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then at the end of it, Adam's like, you can't, you, you can't keep doing the two thumbs up thing, man. That's insane. Like that's yeah. everybody yeah. looks at you like a weirdo. And then, uh, you know, it's after the Emmys and you know, it was just kind of a disaster. It was pretty awkward. Uh, and then his management tells him that his name is terrible. <laughs> yes. <laughs> they don't like the name Anton, uh, whatever his last name was. <laughs> was Markwell. Yeah. They don't like Anton Markwell and they want him to change it to something else. They start pitching some ideas. One guy says, Windy Dribble. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very good. Which is a very funny name. And then they end up settling on Nick Decker for his new name, which he seems all about. He's ready for it. Uh, and he goes to get a bunch of headshots, like a thousand headshots. And yeah. he's like, you know, getting way too many. And there is a misprint on the headshots uh, where they all say Dick Necker. <laughs> <laughs> this was, I think, one of the funniest moments uh, in the yes. movie. And also, I really applaud it for its, like, restraint. The joke is obvious with Dick Necker. Yeah. But, like, they don't, they, they're just more upset that it's spelled wrong. And, like, that's the focus of the scene, which I was right. really impressed by for a comedy in 1998. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the, the joke is really that there's so many of them and they're all spelled wrong. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, they're refusing to reprint it like they say yeah uh you know they do the uh the misprint and like well can we you know can we just even reprint like 50 of them and they're like we're, we're so busy like we're so <laughs> <laughs> we're slammed they get they get the invoice and they're like no that's what you wrote here this is how you wanted it <laughs> yeah. and then they're like now nah, we're too busy yeah exactly and then like throughout the movie after that like you'll he'll be, he'll be at auditions and people will be like okay dick come back here like yeah <laughs> that's which is pretty funny uh so yeah that was a really good moment and then uh basically they get him out he gets an audition for baywatch which is you know very exciting and he goes to the audition uh, and he's supposed to play a guy who shouts hey he's drowning yeah. <laughs> and you know he gets one line and you know he's at the audition and the uh, two casting directors are there and they make him get down to his underwear because he's supposed to be in a bathing suit yeah. uh, they have to do like the run and slow motion thing <laughs> in his underwear while he's shouting like hey he's drowning <laughs> and he talks in slow motion and they're like no no <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> very good yeah, yeah, pretty funny. And then he does get the part. Uh, so on set, he's at Baywatch. He meets Carmen Electra in the makeup trailer. David Hasselhoff is on the beach and he's introducing himself to him. And then he goes to the ocean to say his line. Uh, and as soon as he steps into the ocean, <laughs> is immediately stung by a stingray and falls over. <laughs> yeah, very good. <laughs> Which is a great physical bit. Like he just as soon as he steps into the water, he just completely falls down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think it's during a take, right? Like they're they're doing it. It's happening. I, I think this is like the run right before the take. Maybe. maybe. Yeah, I think. Yeah, right, I think it's like he's doing it for the first time and then he falls and like he literally can't go on. Like he's in so much pain. Uh, and so David Hasselhoff was like, oh, man, this is his big break, huh? That's rough. And then he like turns to the girl next to him who is happens to be wearing a bathing suit. It's like, hey, take off your robe. Go say his go yeah. say his line. <laughs> Can you say, hey, he's drowning? And she does like one run through of it. And he's like, OK, great. Perfect. Perfect. Nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> which is uh, pretty awesome, which is uh, if you look at the uh, the Wikipedia plot synopsis, the Wikipedia plot synopsis of this movie like describes it as like an actor goes on a journey to find fame and then gets stung by a stingray at the last minute. Uh, and so <laughs> what? 
basically is what it says. Uh, and I thought that meant that like the stingray thing would be happening at the end of the movie. And that would be like the tragic thing that ends his, you know, star making yeah. career or something. Uh, but it happens in the first like 20 minutes. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was like, Oh, well, there's a lot more to this movie after this. We'll see where this goes. But yeah, so there's this whole stingray thing. Then there's some more interviews with Cameron Crowe and Ron Howard and Mike Lee, which is pretty cool. Uh, and then he has the meeting with Ron Shelton, uh, writer of the great white hype slash bull Durham and many other movies, uh, who makes him do a read for a part at a very rapid pace. He has to do it like very, very quickly. Yeah. And I like that. He just keeps telling him like, okay, no faster. This guy doesn't take time to breathe. No faster, faster, faster <laughs> to the point where he's just like mumbling out the words. And he's like, Oh yeah, you have a tape I can watch later. <laughs> like, <I'm> like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, which is a recurring thing. He doesn't have any kind of you know audition tape or anything, a reel to give to people to right. show what he can do. Uh, and so he has that meeting with Ron Shelton. Uh, and then there's another audition that he's at where uh, David Lake, the guy who was supposed to be the subject of the documentary, uh, he's auditioning for the same part. And as he's leaving, he tells Nick to do an Australian accent. And so Nick goes in and starts doing an Australian accent. But the part is a New York cab driver. <laughs> yeah. Real New York street, you know, kind of thing. Okay, go ahead, Nick. <laughs> just yeah, goes into it. Go straight into the Australian accent and he can't get rid of it as he's doing the audition, uh, which is pretty funny. And I like the recurring bit with David Lake, how he is like having the career that uh, <laughs> that Nick Decker wants. Uh, and, you know, it, it, like even just in terms of like, you know, as he's leaving the audition, all the casting people are like, wow, it has been so incredible to watch your <laughs> career blossom. <laughs> yeah. And poor old Nick Decker, you know. And then he has a cold reading with uh, Allison Anders, the uh, indie film director. And uh, he has a, <laughs> a scene where he's like talking to uh, this other actress who is like this rape victim and she's like, you know, talking to the person who raped her many, many years ago and she's having this very heartfelt monologue uh, and he keeps like interrupting her being like, oh man. <laughs> yeah. I know what you're going through. And she's like, no, you you don't. Yeah. <laughs> like, do, do you not get that you're the bad guy here? <laughs> he, he asks, am I the bad guy? And she's yeah. like, yeah, you're the one that raped her. Yes. <laughs> oh. Yeah, okay, here we go. Uh, so obviously he does not get that part either. Uh, so it's been a rough few auditions. And then it's, uh, you know, them, Adam and uh, Nick at the Wax Museum. You know, they're kind of just asking like, hey, are we like, what's going to happen? Like, are you motivated? It's like, yeah, man, never give up. We're never going to give up on this thing. And then it shows him looking at the uh, the wax figures of the Baywatch character. Yeah, the button <laughs> on that scene is so good. Yeah, like what could have been? <laughs> but then, uh, so Adam is uh, going to Vegas to go uh, like film a fight or he's just like, going to hang out at, in Vegas at the fight. And Nick is like, Oh, why don't we go to Vegas and we can do something together? And it's like, all right, we can, we can go to Vegas and Adam will write a scene for Nick and uh, Nick will go around the boxing ring and shout lines at all the celebrities that are in there. So it looks like they're in a movie together because they have the camera crew and everything. Yeah. We'll just <laughs> uh, cut and, it together and make it look yeah. like a film reel. Exactly. That's kind of their big plan. And then Steve Sharippa from The Sopranos is in this as the hotel manager. As uh, Steve Sharippa, though. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, he's credited Steve Sharippa, like entertainment director of this hotel or whatever, because this is before The Sopranos. This is like, oh, <laughs> this is before The Sopranos and before like, he's on Blue Bloods also. There's kind of his, like, his two big things. It's so weird because he's credited as Steve Sharippa. Like it shows his name on the thing and everything. Uh, but he's also the director of this hotel. He's the guy who's like helping them out here. He's not supposed to be playing like actor Steve Sharippa from The Sopranos. He's just like a guy who's like named Steve Sharippa. 
I th- well, I think by the end, when he shows up the second time, he yeah. is. He's like, what? Well, Steve Sharippa. <laughs> like, yeah. So I think he's. Which, yeah. So that, when he shows up again, that's the other movie that Adam is directing. Yeah. And that is a real movie that Adam made around the same time as Welcome to Hollywood. Uh, Amazing. Which I, I have the name of it written down, which we'll get to it later. Oh, Denial is the name of the movie. Okay. Uh, and so, yeah. And Steve Sharippa does have a bit part in that movie. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that scene about the eclair? I got to watch that movie. Yeah, now he, he's credited as best man uh, or whatever. So yeah. And so <laughs> now there's like a whole like Adam Rifkin cinematic universe that I want to like <laughs> really dive deep into. <laughs> I know we got to, we got to uncover this. Exactly. Uh, so that's kind of a cool thing. But yeah, Steve Sharippa is the hotel manager. He gives them a huge suite, lots of food, all in exchange for just getting a little bit of airtime in the movie. Uh, and yeah, he's in a couple of Rifkin movies like Denial and uh, Detroit Rock City. He also has a bit part in, too. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's like bits where he's like sliding poker chips under the door, which, which <laughs> just is pretty funny. Just alone. Yeah. Uh, it's good. And then uh, the fight is going on downstairs and uh, Adam tells Nick, just walk around and start shouting for your brother Carmine. Just like looking for Carmine and he's directing him in a scene. And, you know, Nick's just like, Carmine, where are you? (laughs) Carmine. (laughs) It's like, no, you got to mean it. You got to be like, dude, you're desperate to find Carmine. And he's just like shouting around the ring. Carmine. (laughs) (laughs) Carmine. He walks past Evander Holyfield and is like, have you seen Carmine? (laughs) Is he is he with Al Franken? There's somebody interviewing him. Uh, I'm not sure. who. I, I don't think it would be Al Franken if it was interviewing Evander Holyfield at that time. Although I, I, don't, I don't know. know. It could be it could be somebody. I don't know. Uh, there's, there's a lot of people in this movie. There are. But yeah, he and that and that definitely felt like one where like Evander Holyfield might not have been in on the joke. Uh, I don't that, think so. Yeah, <laughs> that was definitely like a Borat esque. Yeah. type deal. But yeah, and then there's interviews with Glenn Close uh, and Lawrence Fishburne, and then he does a scene with Lawrence Fishburne that Fishburne just acts the hell out of. <laughs> of course, it's Lawrence Fishburne. Yeah, he's so good, but like he's, you know, talking, like Lawrence Fishburne is playing Carmine uh, to do this thing for Nick's reel, and so he just kind of does this like, in the scene, Nick is just like, Carmine, you didn't, where were you? And Lawrence Fishburne just goes on this like whole like improv monologue <laughs> yeah. uh, about like, you you can't be looking for me, man, I'm looking for, like all that stuff. It's great. It's really yeah. fun. And I love that Adam Rifkin is just like, you know, as the interview person hosting the interview there, just like, well, you know, uh, he, he's, he's got some lines. Do you mind doing a little improv thing? And then <laughs> Lawrence Fishburne just like demolishes him. Yes, <laughs> which is so, so cool. Uh, so, yeah, there's that. Uh, Tom Arnold shows up and it's just like kind of him talking to Nick for a minute. Uh, and there's kind of riffing and stuff. There's a pretty funny line where uh, he's like, so what kind of career do you expect yourself to have. And Nick's like, well, you know, I mean, you know, Tom Cruise would be great. And it's like, yeah, I mean, Tom Cruise would be great. Or, or like a Bill Paxton. And it's like, it will Paxton. You got a better shot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I really like that one. The, the whole Tom Arnold scene is funny, but not great anymore. You know? It's, yeah. It's pretty problematic. He does use uh, the R word quite, quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, in that scene, which is not great. Uh, but otherwise like that Tom Cruise, Bill Paxton line is, is very, very funny. good. Yeah. It's very funny. Uh, and yeah, so their next plan after this whole thing, they've shot a reel. Now their next plan is to get Nick a famous girlfriend. And there's a pretty funny bit where non-famous girls are auditioning, uh, for, yeah. for the role. And you have like a montage of like, you know, some acting very sweet with him, some acting very angry at him. There's one who's just like ripping off his clothes, like <laughs> <Yeah>. in the, <laughs> In the uh, in the audition, which is pretty funny. The whole reason they're doing this is because they want like a famous person to do it so that, you know, it gets him more notoriety. Uh, but the only famous girl who was even remotely interested was Angie Everhart. Uh, so they go meet with her about it and she ends up agreeing, even though she just got married. She right. like tells them that straight up. Like, you know, you guys know I just got married, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, I like that whole scene. is very funny. The whole like montage there, uh, when when the girl that's like about to take his pants off, and they're like, oh, okay, that's that's good, that's enough. Yeah. And <laughs> and Nick is like, we should we should cast her. Uh, yeah, we should hire her. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, what a doofus. Uh, yeah, very good. And then the whole thing is like, you know. No famous person is going to do this. Uh, and Angie Everhart <laughs> will only do it if we offer her without an audition. Angie and Nick go to the Sundance Film Festival and uh, start creating a bit of a scandal because Angie just got married. Now there's this new guy who is just uh, walking around with Angie Everhart. So everybody's like, oh, what's going on here? Uh, they're at the Sundance Film Festival. There's another uh, interview with John Waters, yeah. uh, which I think he might have the best line in the movie. Uh, Absolutely. Which is, you know, they ask him uh, what is a movie star? And he says a star is someone you either want to get drunk with or have sex with. <laughs> yeah, he's the best. <laughs> yeah, so, so good. He's really great. Uh, and then, you know, he Nick has made like a little bit of a splash at Sundance just by being there with Angie Everhart. Uh, a producer meets with Nick about a ski resort werewolf movie, mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> which, you know, he's like, they're on a ski lift and it's like, oh, I think you'd be perfect for this part. And then Nick does like a quick reading for it. And the producer's like, well, I, I mean, that was OK, but I, I think it clearly reads in the page that your character has a French accent. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Poor Nick. Yeah, so they uh, they end up holding a party for Nick at Sundance, uh, Adam, and like kind of throws this whole thing like a shindig. Uh, and that same producer is meeting with David Lake, yeah, <laughs> about the same part at the party, and they're describing it. And he's like, uh, "Okay, if you could just read this thing for me right now, you have the part." And David Lake does it, and he nails it, and he gives the part to David Lake. Uh, and then Nick and David get in a big fight. Yeah, he asks him, "Can you do a French accent?" And he's like, yeah. "Oh, will you eat, Monsieur?" And he's like, "You're in. That's it. You're my guy." Uh, and then they just have a big blowout fight. <laughs> yes, yeah. He and David finally like just duke it out. They fight, and uh, then it cuts to right after Sundance. Nick gets let go by his agent. Yes, like we're getting no money back from you. You're gone. <laughs> yeah, and they're like, the, the Sundance fight also didn't help at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and so Adam decides, you know, he's he's starting to realize that this movie isn't really going to be what he thought it was going to be. Yeah. <laughs> like it's like, you're not going to find this guy like a really big Hollywood work and he's not going to be a big star. Uh, so he decides the movie just needs to end with Nick getting a job. That's the, <laughs> the bare minimum, just like him getting an actual acting part. And then Angie doesn't like has this whole scene where she's like, I, I really don't want to be this guy's girlfriend in real life. I'm kind of sick of going everywhere mm-hmm. with him. But she does finally agree to go to the Oscars with him. Uh, and then there's the whole sequence at the Oscars where it's Adam Rifkin, Nick Decker and Angie Everhart just there being very awkward. Like Nick is like at Angie's side and like, you know, every reporter is like, oh, so who's this by your side? Like, Oh, yeah, this is this is Nick Decker. <laughs> yeah. Adam Rifkin in the top hat poking out behind them everywhere. <laughs> Funny. Yes. Yeah. Which is really funny. And you have like a bunch of people popping up. Like you see Woody Harrelson briefly uh, and like, oh, Jada Pinkett Smith and Will Smith are here. Salma Hayek. Roger Ebert walks by. Yeah. They uh, try to give him a headshot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's also one of those things that feels like the. These people might not have been aware that this was like, yeah. a movie shoot. Like Roger Ebert's just kind of like, you know, I'm pressed, right? Like, I got to go cover this thing. Like, yeah. Get out of here. <laughs> uh, which, you know, maybe they knew and they were in on it. But it is just like it's funny to imagine like them just like being part of this like elaborate gag, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) So Nick is like passing out headshots to celebrities on the red carpet, like the tackiest thing you could possibly do. And then Adam realizes he needs to end this basically. Like this has to be over. Uh, And so he like tries to end it with Nick. Like, listen, uh, we're on a pier right now. I'm going to have you go walk to the end of the pier and the sunlight will kind of come down. It'll be very artistic and it'll be the end of the movie. Uh, And Nick's like, no, we got to, we got to finish. We got to keep doing this. You said you wouldn't leave me. Uh, But Adam goes to direct another movie and leaves the project. 
Yeah, so a couple of his like producer friends tell him like this guy's gonna tank your career because you'll be linked to him forever, uh, kind of thing, and that's sort of like what pushes Adam over the edge to abandon right. <laughs> abandon the project. Yeah, so Adam's gone, and now Nick is going on auditions uh, that are like even worse than the ones he had before. <laughs> yeah. There's one that's like that. There's one that is really funny where it's a uh, it's like an action movie thing where the people are explaining the script to him, uh, and it's a movie called Copsicle, and they're like. <laughs> Describing the plot of the movie and the guy just like shortens it. Listen, he's frozen in time to solve the crime. Yeah, I want that movie. <laughs> that sounds amazing. <laughs> it sounds really good. It kind of sounds like Demolition Man if it was set in present day. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's definitely what I thought of. Uh, but yeah, that's pretty good. There's like one that's like implied to maybe be like a porn audition that he's <laughs> that yeah. he's on. That kind of thing. Uh, so then Nick finally, uh, you know, he's he really wants Adam back. And he goes to the set of uh, the movie that Adam Rifkin's shooting, which is the real movie, Denial. Uh, and he tries to convince Adam about the Cannes Film Festival. Like, hey, our plan was to go to Cannes. We can get out there. We can do this. And then when, that's when you see that Adam cast Steve Sharippa in his movie, but did not cast Nick. Yeah. <laughs> which is what made me think of, because he's like, what, even him? And he's like, it's Steve Sharippa. Like, that's yeah. what it's like. Is he the actor guy in this movie? I don't know. Right. Happening? This, this, this is, layers. I mean, yeah, I guess he is like, he kind of is playing himself because at this point he would have been like an aspiring actor or right. He kind of yeah. getting bit parts in movies and TV shows and stuff. And then the Sopranos came right around the time this movie actually came out. Yeah. It's kind of weird. It's kind of weird that uh, Steve Sharippa is just like in the movie sort of as himself, but not in a weird <laughs> <Yeah>. way. <laughs> but yeah, Steve Sharippa is there and uh, he does cast Nick as the popcorn guy at like a sporting event at like, right. a hockey stadium. Nick just completely blows it. He walks on and like people are like, popcorn, we need popcorn. And Nick's like walking on, yells peanuts. This <laughs> <laughs> is very funny. I like that one. It's really good. And then Adam ends up cutting the scene anyway. Like he tells Nick afterwards, like, listen, this isn't going to work. I'm going to, you know, cut this scene, uh, which was probably his plan all along. Yeah. <laughs> just to, give Nick something to do. Uh, you have a couple more interviews. Wes Craven is there. Uh, oh, well, well, we skipped where Adam agrees. He tells him I have 36 hours off uh, to go to Cannes, basically, right. or, or one weekend where if you can get if you fly me there and pay for the stuff, I'll go. Yeah. So that's basically it. Yeah. He tells him there's a slim chance we can get to the Cannes Film Festival. I have like one weekend off. Uh, and I can get out of there in 36 hours. Great. You got to pay for it. Uh, so Nick's like trying to get it all together. Meanwhile, you get interviews again with Wes Craven. Uh, Cuba Gooding Jr. makes an appearance uh, mm-hmm. in, in here, too. Nick finally gets like the funds together. He gets the reservations together. He meets with Adam. You know, they're having lunch. And uh, so, listen, I got the, uh, you know, the reservations all booked for the hotel. We're ready to go. Uh, then Adam's like, oh, man. I, I thought somebody told you I can't go anymore. I got I, I yeah. have to, you know, I have to be here for the movie. Some I thought you knew that when we sat down. Yeah. Nick is upset, storms out and isn't really sure what to do. But he goes over to Angie Everhart's house and is able to convince Angie to come with him, making her think that Adam will also be there. Like, we're going to finish the movie at the Cannes Film Festival. Right. Yeah. So they go to Cannes. You get the interview with Matthew McConaughey where he's like, ah, Nick Decker, bit of a hot dog, that guy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> It was, that's the best one, I think, because he's also wearing like weird sunglasses and a hat. It's just yes. like peak 90s McConaughey. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so Nick and Angie go to Cannes. Uh, the Hollywood Reporter uh, writes an article about them. And, you know, they're kind of like making a lot of appearances. And it seems like they're, you know, kind of like right in with all the parties and stuff like that. Like they're in Cannes Film Festival. Later, they're about to make like an entrance somewhere on a boat. Uh, and it's, you know, this tiny little dinghy that they're, sp- <laughs> that yeah. they're on. Uh, and Angie's like, this is the shittiest boat I've ever seen. Like, why, why are we getting on this? And then she, they all kind of 
falls apart in front of Nick and he has to tell her that Adam left the project and that he knew about it and lied to her. Uh, and she's like, listen, I will, I will get on this boat with you if you admit that it's a shitty boat. And <laughs> it's like, oh, all right, it's a piece of shit. And, uh, all that stuff. Uh, but she has like a whole meltdown. I think she's really great in the movie. Actually. She's like really, uh, yeah. a fun, a fun presence, uh, like playing herself, kind of lampooning her image a little bit and just kind of like being like, dude, like what the hell? Yeah. Like you could have just told me and I would have done it, but no, you had to lie to me. Yeah, uh, exactly. So they go on the boat. They make their like, you know, appearance. There's a photo shoot where, uh, you know, everybody's paying attention to Angie and no one's paying attention to Nick. Yeah. And then Angie storms out of the hotel room and leaves. And then it's after the Cannes Film Festival and a producer happens to see the Hollywood Reporter article and uh, meets with Nick about a new action movie called Operation Redline. (laughs) (laughs) Which I would have I would have seen this movie, too. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's, I mean, do you remember what the plot of the movie was as he described it? Because I only remember I only wrote down the title. Um, I just remember it had to be a, stu- a person that will do their own stunts. Uh, and that's that's kind of it. I don't really remember okay. what the plot is. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. But it's Operation Redline. And they do ask Nick, hey, can you do your own stunts? And he's like, I, I guess. Yeah, sure. I can do that. Uh, but to prove it, he has to like do a big stunt on the Hollywood Pier or whatever. Yeah. Like, he has to, you know, so he sets up like this whole motorcycle ramp and he has to get on a motorcycle and, you know, just do this big jump. And everyone's gathering around. Angie Everhart like shows up like, Nick, what are you doing? You're going to hurt every bone in your body. You could be <laughs> killed here. Uh, and he's like, oh, but this is my dream. And uh, he. He does it and it fades to black and he immediately like, you just hear a big crashing sound uh, and an ambulance sound right afterwards. And then when it comes back up, Nick's in the hospital in a full body cast. <laughs> yeah. In full traction. Yeah. Uh, like a like a Bugs Bunny cartoon. Absolutely, basically. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so he's in the hospital and Angie shows up and Adam arrives, too. And he's like, listen, I abandoned you and that was bad for me to do. But. You're all over the news. Like everybody's talking about how like you were the actor who like wanted to part so badly that you were going to risk your life for it and all that stuff. Like suddenly this could be his big break because of this. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so Adam brings in the paparazzi and (laughs) there's a really good payoff to him saying, hey, don't do the two thumbs up or don't say two thumbs up, because at this very moment, the only thing he can literally do is like point his thumbs at people. Yeah. (laughs) And just look at them like doing the two thumbs up, which is pretty funny. It's good. It's good stuff. I like it. And then that's pretty much the end of the movie. There is like a little bit of an ending note thing here where it kind of tells you what the characters did afterwards. Uh, And it says that the Nick Decker story is being made into a movie. Adam Rifkin will direct and David Lake will play the part of Nick Decker. <laughs> that was the best. That, yeah, that's a that's a great punchline right there. <laughs> uh, and then after that, it's a uh, welcome to Hollywood montage of all the stars sit, like looking at the camera and saying welcome to Hollywood. And uh, that's the end of the movie. Yeah, this was fun. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, like just talking about it now, like I feel like watching it. I enjoyed it. Thought it was pretty good. But uh, talking about it now, like I'm remembering like all the really solid jokes that are in the movie, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, so it may, it may have like risen in my estimation, like as we had this conversation. Uh, <laughs> Sometimes that's the best you can hope for. Where like yeah. when you watch it, it's OK. But then when you talk about it, you're like, wait a second. Yeah, this is actually this is pretty funny. Like, like it's a movie that I'm sort of glad I own on DVD now. I'm not sure when I'll ever watch it again, but I, I might, you know. <laughs> yeah, I hope to one day maybe also list it on eBay and just continue the like sisterhood of traveling pants with this dvd <laughs> <laughs> yes well if for, for a different podcast like somebody's doing a matthew mcconaughey complete works right. <laughs> uh, and they gotta watch this one <laughs> exactly uh absolutely but all right, all right so that is welcome to hollywood directed by adam rifkin and sort of starring jeff goldblum <laughs> oh, including jeff goldblum <laughs> Yeah, exactly. It's uh, Jeff Goldblum in Welcome to Hollywood. And now we got to move on. Let's see what the people have to say 
about this movie. There's only a few reviews for this in Letterboxd. And first off, we got one from the Poetic Critic who went the extra mile and also got the uh, DVD on eBay for this movie. Yeah. <laughs> or on Amazon, I think, is where uh, she got it. But yeah, that's uh, pretty awesome that our podcast holds that much sway where we're able to convince <laughs> an- another person to buy the DVD. <laughs> At least one other person. <laughs> exactly. For this movie. Uh, but yeah. And, and you know, I was wondering if there was going to be a Poetic Critic review. Uh, and, and it's lucky that we were recording this episode a little bit later, too. Yeah. Because uh, the Poetic Critic, I think, logged this review on Monday, which is the day that we would have been recording this episode normally, but my DVD didn't arrive until Monday, so I couldn't record it yet. So it all worked out. This is a full episode of Complete Works with the Poetic Critic poem in here. (laughs) And uh, first off, it's that two-star review from, from the Poetic Critic, which reads, A mockumentary that starts okay, but peaks midway and loses its own frame. There are some good ideas and laughs and stars, but I've seen better spoofs that play this game. Yeah. I, I agree for the most part. I think uh, I think it definitely runs out of steam. Basically, when they get to the boxing ring, like that's sure. like, that point is where like, I kind of was like, all right, we, yeah. we've, I mean, it, we've it, gone it to just like OK this, territory. Yeah, it, it is like the same joke kind of repeated over and over again. Right. <laughs> Which is a joke that I enjoyed for the most <laughs> part. Uh, but yeah, I, I could definitely see uh, not being the biggest fan of this movie, such as our next review from Malachi, which has no rating, but it says, I have a personal vendetta against Adam Rifkin for making horrible shit that I hate. God. Wow. (laughs) That's the whole review? That's the whole review. Not the biggest fan. Damn. (laughs) Of Welcome to Hollywood. Uh, Here's a two and a half star review from Emily Higgins. A very charming turn from Angie Everhart helped me ignore this film's flaws. Plus, for all the unfounded optimism of the main character, I couldn't help but root for him. Uh, which, yeah, I kind of get that. Too, I kinda, you know, it's, yeah, I'm kind of pulling for Nick Decker by the end of this movie. Yeah, <laughs> a little bit. Uh, and there's one more review here, a three and a half star review from number one Bratz fan, <laughs> which reads, uh, we're not here to judge their fandom of Bratz, Mike. That's oh, not, uh, uh, no, let's that's not a, laugh at their laugh, laugh at their Bratz fandom. I'm, I'm laughing at their enthusiasm. That's amazing. Yeah. Good for them. I mean, they're the number one Bratz fan. That's, that's, that's pretty high up. Uh, as far as Adam Rifkin movies, I watch because Nicolas Cage barely appears in them go. Uh, this may be the better movie, but never on Tuesday has the better Cage performance because he's actually in that one. <laughs> <laughs> he does not appear in this movie, despite various sources indicating that he does. John Waters shows up for a couple of seconds, though, so I suppose I would have needed to watch this eventually anyway. And besides, I liked it. Next time, though, put Nicolas Cage in your movie. Parentheses. I'm talking to everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we kind of uh, can echo that sentiment. Yeah, absolutely. And we will be echoing that sentiment uh, over the next few weeks, because uh, after this, we're moving on to Nicolas Cage, Mike. It's kind of crazy, yeah. kind of crazy to go back into the cage. Well, yeah. getting back into the cage, I guess, is what we should say, because that's that's what we said at the end of every episode. <laughs> yes, we'll, we'll be retiring, going for the gold bloom and we'll be getting in the cage. Getting in the cage with Nicolas Cage. Uh, yes, I- I'm excited to uh, to get back into the cage. It's going to be very fun. I'm uh, curious how I'm going to react to several of the movies, because most of them are those really bland VOD movies <laughs> that's, that Cage tends to make a lot of. But there are a few gems in there. I mean, there's Color Out of Space, which we've both seen and love, yes. uh, which we've already reviewed, and we're just going to rerun that episode uh, from Mike and Mike. Otherwise, I mean, there's The Croods too. I'm, I'm looking, forward, wait. looking forward to The Croods too, uh, And I feel there's got to be at least one or two other gems in there. There's usually, there's usually like some hidden stuff like deep in there that yeah. we could find. Maybe uh, Jiu-Jitsu is a hidden masterpiece. 
I do kind of want to see jujitsu. Actually, that would feel kind of insane. Uh, <laughs> all right. So yeah, that's going to be it for this week's episode of the podcast. Mike, where can we find you online this week? You can find me at MD film blog on Twitter and Letterboxd. And you can find me online at M Smith film blog on Twitter, Mike Smith film on Letterboxd and radio Mike sandwich on Instagram. Uh, thanks so much for listening to the complete works. I'm Mike Smith. That's Mike Decretio. Don't forget to rate and review the show on Apple podcasts or any other podcast app. And if you want to contact us, you can hit us up at Jeff Goldblum, complete works at gmail.com. You can find the rest of our podcast on rapture press alongside the totally original geek news podcast, which is a podcast about comic books and movie news and all that good stuff. And you can follow this podcast on Twitter at Goldblum pod. Our theme song was created by Kyle Cullen, who you can reach for your own podcast themes at Kyle's podcast themes at gmail.com. And our logo was designed by Jacob Honeycuts or at Jacob honey on Twitter. Uh, join us on the next complete works. We will be returning to talk about the one who started it all. Unfortunately, it will be a sad one because Nicholas Cage serves as the narrator for the documentary Love and Tosha, uh, which is about the life of actor Anton Yelchin, who passed away very young. Uh, so that's going to be kind of depressing, but we will be reviewing that movie next week or whenever it is. I'm not sure if we're taking next week off and then coming back in or what's the plan here, Mike? Well, we can I mean, we can record next week if we want. I don't, I don't... Maybe we will, we will keep you posted listening. Yeah. <laughs> but yes, that Love and Tosha will be our first Nicolas Cage movie of this uh, brief cage break that we're taking. So if you want to check that out, I believe it's available to rent on Amazon. It might be on a streaming service somewhere and keep listening for our bonus episodes of Mike might go to the movies uh, where next week we're talking Mexican horror with our guest, Laura. I'm very excited for that one. Yeah. Yeah. I, I might watch one of those tonight and I'm very hyped. Nice. Yeah. Alucarda, the daughter of darkness and even the wind is afraid are the two movies that we'll be talking about for that episode next week. Uh, so thanks so much for listening guys. And remember for one final time until like May or so <laughs> to go for the gold bloom. Uh, I'm going to interrupt you to tell you to turn the background off on your Skype thing because you've disappeared. (laughs) I have disappeared. Yeah, because I think the sun was shining on the camera, so it like oh. washed it washed you out, and now it's yeah, it's like I could I saw your hand. I see. Second. Okay, yeah. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> it's the opposite of when it got too dark and it got too bright. Yes. <laughs> oh, you're just J.J. Abrams lens flare. <laughs> yeah, let me uh, hold on one second. Okay. <laughs> Is that better? Yes, perfect. Okay. So I I got my DVD. What's that? I got the DVD to look at it. Okay. <laughs> and it has special features listed on the back. You ready for what the special features are? Sure. Digitally mastered, interactive menu, <laughs> full screen presentation, scene Ooh. selection, and Dolby English 2.0 stereo. <laughs> well, I mean, that's... <laughs> loaded. Loaded DVD. I mean, put that in the Criterion Collection. It's done. That's right. That's right. <laughs>